Well, good morning, good day, good evening. My name is Jill, and these are Jill's Journals Out Loud. Today is Tuesday, January 10th, 2023. It's still dark outside, but we are safe within our little vehicle with the candles lit and my little fairy lights going. Coffee has been completed. Dog is resting. There's no massive jets flying overhead usually at this time in the morning. And so I'm going to take a deep breath and begin. Uh, I am at a crossroads and I keep hitting my head against the same wall over and over and over again. And I feel like a failure, but I was sitting here beating myself up again because of all the things I can't do that I want to, all the things I believe I should be doing, but I can't get done, all the dreams and ideas and plans and purposes and missions that I write out in my journal every morning. And sometimes in the afternoon too, if I'm having a particularly uh, download kind of day and I'm feeling terrible because I feel like I'm hitting my head against this same wall over and over and over again. And I always imagine that the others, everybody else, doesn't have this feeling that they just muster through on their life and that everything is normal for them and it's me that is failing personally. But intellectually, I know that's not true, but emotionally, internally, it's hard to not measure yourself against the perceived uh standards that we see out in the world and realities, right? Because we only see little tiny glimpses. You know, one of my great frustrations has been people feeling like they quote unquote know me when they watch 10 minutes of edited <coughs> edited <laughs> video uh, when I was posting videos on a regular basis. And uh, you guys here are getting a much bigger window into the way I think than the video ever did. But it's still, uh, we don't really have the capacity to see, to hear, to know anybody uh, as we move around in the world, but we think we do. And the same way we think that other people are in such a way operating in the world because how we project onto what we think their reality is like and measure a standard against ourselves. And the reason I'm bringing that up is I'm having the same damn conversation that I have over and over and over again. Uh, the last time I podcasted to you was a couple days ago uh, as I was wrapping up my 48 hours of sitting here with a lot of anxiety about, is this a safe place? And so I've been here you know, a little bit longer now. Still really not seeing anyone or anything that should be concerning to me, but uh, I have to go to town today and I'm trying to make the decision, should I stay here or should I go back to the other place that was more crowded where it felt like it was safer, even though on my personal experience, having somebody have their stuff stolen right next to me in broad daylight in front of other people 
there's no reality. But there's sort of this idea that I talked about last time where if there's other people around, then we're more likely to be okay. And that's just not true. In fact, as I said last time, density of population increases crime and it also uh, increases our disconnect, our unwillingness to look at what's happening and react. And we see that in densely populated areas. There's all kinds of crime being committed and people just watch. And now it's so bad, a lot of people don't even call 911, but they'll film it, they'll post it, they'll observe it. And as much as we like to think that we're intellectually above or not participating in this, uh, I'm getting aware of my own issues around that. And I'm swept away in the gathering of information and the uh, analyzing and creating the ideas, but I'm having a lot of trouble shifting into what to do with them. And that has been going on for years. Now, I feel pretty clear I'm settled into this Wired for Danger. So those of you who know and have been here, my Wired for Danger theory uh, on the nervous system Uh, is something that I believe there's a lot of truth in, but the conversation now for me is how do I express it and what do I do with it? And so the last couple days I've been uh, putting together, you know, foundational ideas so that if somebody's new, we don't have to keep repeating the whole thing right here. Uh, I've been trying to decide because I'm sitting at the border Uh, of really kind of focusing on what it must be like for border patrol agents, because I can't imagine anybody as a group having a more difficult issue with what's going on for them individually and collectively as the agency supposedly guarding or managing the border in terms of what's happening and how the suicide rate is going up for border patrol agents. And no rocket science there. And I was, you know, looking at how the response to that is, and it's the usual, right? Screaming about how bad it is, the the suicide and the mental health issues. Not the fact that it's the border being open that's causing them. And the response is seeking more money for mental health treatment as if making you feel better about participating into the atrocities that are going down there. And I, you know, I can't imagine how stressful it is. Oh, wait, yes, I can. Because as a social worker, I was doing the same thing. I had to decide, do I want to still participate in the system that's not designed to help anybody, but all you're doing is moving that body to the next system to create an opening for the next problem to arrive. That's what healthcare is. Healthcare is moving bodies, not doing anything to do with health or care. In the same way that the border is just moving bodies to make space for the next one coming in and then wondering why you feel bad about it as you see these little kids and the women and all the horrible things that are going on down there. There is no medication that makes you feel good about any of that. And these are the hard truths that we just don't want to look at. And at the same time, uh, I've been watching or trying to. Right now I'm in a cell-free zone, basically. It's difficult for me to upload 
uh, or watch anything like video. I'm luck. I'm, I'm happy if I can get email and the weather right now. <laughs> Let's just say that I'm trading my privacy for being cut off from the whole wide world. Uh, but it's a, it's a crowdfunded series called The Chosen, and they're doing a really interesting thing. Whether you believe in Christianity or the biblical history or not, what's fascinating about this series, and it's free to watch in multiple places, it's called The Chosen, is they're showing it from the perspective of everybody else, not just uh, how miraculous uh, Jesus was. And they're showing people as they are. I think I'm, I can't remember if I've talked about this or not, but, but what I'm really fascinated with is how we have projected onto all those people in that time that everything was simple. And now we're getting to kind of see a little tiny glimpse into what it would be like. And, uh, I, again, you know, it's kind of, it's a stop start thing. So I kind of have it running in the background, but I get little patches of it. And one of the little patches I got was Nicodemus, who is a leader in the Jewish community. Uh, he, he believes in Jesus. He wants to go with him, but he can't, he can't leave his life behind. And this is a guy, right? Who's dedicated his whole life to God and truth. But when he comes to face to face with it, he can't do anything about it. Uh, but then there's Matthew, who they are portraying as autistic and kind of a arithmetic uh, math savant, statistical savant. He just starts to question, drops everything and walks off without any regard for what he's leaving behind. Uh, and it's it's fascinating to me because, you know, they haven't moved into the active persecution phase of all this. It's just starting. But I was, you know, I've asked this question over and over, what are you willing to die for? Because they move into a period of time where uh, they are being persecuted and crucified. And I, you know, I'm watching this, I'm going, I don't think there's any truth I could chase down and feel good about hanging on a cross, literally. Uh, mentally, emotionally, intellectually, <laughs> I'll hang on that cross all day long. But physically, uh, I don't think I could knowingly walk into that kind of situation. And so the question, you know, I'm dangling in front of you is that uh, what does it mean to seek the truth? And where I keep landing with all of this is that I don't want to tell you what the truth is. My personal battle with the truth, as I was sitting here uh, looking, thinking I'm, I'm listening to all this news about what's going on at the border. And, you know, the latest now is that the Russia is arming the cartel with real weapons to start doing to us, you know, what we've done uh, to Ukraine and the Russian border lobbing big missiles over the border. So, uh, sorry, I got to move stuff around. But um, thinking, well, but in many ways, you know, I'm sitting here at a border that's super scary, right? And the truth uh, that lies at our borders that we're afraid to face or afraid to cross, how you can be so close, but still so terrified. You can see the border, but you're afraid to actually step across and how the migrants must feel like that in so many ways. You know, they're running towards a border that they've been told is one thing, but the experience itself is 
filled with, you know, just terrible, terrible experiences, but they're moving forward in search of a truth that they believe there's a greater, better life for them here. Uh, true or not, it doesn't matter, but you have to imagine the amount of courage it takes to be willing to make that trip. And yet we're just sitting here letting it happen so that our way of life is being destroyed uh, and we're all comfortable. You know, they're leaving because they're supposed to be uncomfortable. We're leaving. We're not doing anything because we've been too comfortable. I have to say as a side note, I found this article, which has to be propaganda. I can't imagine. They were talking about the 10 countries that people were the most peaceful on a regular basis. And they were all like Central American countries. I think Nicaragua was number one, Panama, uh, all the the countries down there where everyone keeps telling us and the story is coming out that it's so horrific that there's no food, there's no work, there's uh, everything's being run by uh, cartels and gangs and mafias and it's unbelievably brutal. That's why everybody's coming up here. And then there's this article that says, well, these are the countries that everybody has the greatest peace of mind. I I don't understand that, but I just thought that was a really interesting thing in terms of we just never know what's true or what's real for anybody. We're projecting onto everyone and everything what we imagine to be true. And I'm sitting here doing the same thing and trying to reel myself back in and get refocused and get started on what I keep telling myself I want to do, but I'm constantly being distracted and uh, losing focus or being swept away in the basics of survival. And it makes me feel like a failure. And, you know, I say this to you because I have such a strong... I don't. I mean, I don't even know. It's like it's unstoppable what goes on inside of me in terms of seeking truth. Uh, but I bumped up against it, and it was something I don't like. I don't want to talk about it, and it's just so what we don't want that there's almost no way to, for me to even say it out loud. Uh, and I don't think I'm supposed to. And so I, you know, I've sort of come to the conclusion that I need to just step back, do my own work with the truth. And be a support to those who are willing to seek the truth, Uh, not to tell you what it is, but to support you in the process, because it's been nothing but a nightmare now that I've hit a certain point. Uh, You know, for most of my life, there was this push, push, push to the truth, right? The pushing energy. That's the wired for danger energy. I don't care what the truth is. I can't stop myself. Just push, push, push. Any price, any cost. All my money, all my time, all my energy, all my life. I couldn't stop. And I have to believe there's other people like that. Although I think most people tend to have a more normal life. But The reality is the terrible truth at the end of it was the truth didn't set me free. It just created a whole new set of problems. And who wants that to be the answer, right? In the same way, you know, we're looking at the border. There's no answer. There's no truth that one simple solution is going to solve every problem. 
Uh, we tell ourselves if the government would just build the wall, put more agents down there, set up an army, all these things that we tell ourselves would solve the problem and we wouldn't have to think about it anymore. That's just not real because there's so many other things happening that we don't understand that are always in the reality of a future that we can't predict, but we have to still find a way to be responsive too. And that just keeps bringing me back to this point that it isn't about the facts, the news, the statistics. It's about our response to it. But I keep finding myself kind of disabled by it. And I, you know, again, I can't imagine I'm the only one, but I feel like a failure because it's so overwhelming. And part of what's happening, and I think uh, these are the things I want to talk about, but again, like I said last time, I hate it because it's happening to me. And I I have this belief or this desire that if I know about it, it, it won't affect me. And I just don't think that's true. <sighs> Maybe, And you look at everybody else and you think, well, it must be true for them, but you haven't been following them around. You don't know what's going on behind the scenes. We only have tiny windows uh, into what people's real lives are like. I think one of the biggest shocks came for many people was uh, letters from Mother Teresa about, you know, we see her as this amazing woman who was relentless and never got tired, but she was in a severe depression her whole life. She was so depressed about everything that she saw, and she was so committed to doing the work uh, that she believed Jesus was telling her to do, but she'd never had a direct experience with him. She said she'd never even felt the love of God. And i it's hard to imagine somebody like her working as hard as she did, never getting relief. But this is my point. This is this wired for danger, which she clearly was. She was in a constant state of push. If you're always pushing, then the you can't receive, you can't allow, you can't let in. And that's that retreat, that's that pause, it's that pulling back that intellectually just goes against everything that we are. And so we're in constant push towards truth, push towards solving problems, push towards doing more, more, more. And, uh, you know, I've just found myself kind of crashed now. And I, you know, was so tired because I'm not getting a lot of sleep uh, this, I'm like three inches too tall to stretch out and I'm having an issue with, there's actually room to sleep in here, but the dog and I are having disputes about who gets more space, <laughs> her little 50 pounds or me. And let's just say I'm losing. So I'm not getting a lot of sleep. So none of that is helping, but I was so tired yesterday and I just sort of flashed that Jill, this is the crash from your 48 hours of being on alert, right? Of not sleeping, of being heightened awareness. Uh, and I keep telling you about that because intellectually I understand it. But when it happens to you, when it happens to me, right, I just feel like I'm a failure. I should be, I should be, I should be doing this, I should be doing that. You know, I was looking around yesterday thinking, you know, I have all these things I want to do, but I can't physically do them because I'm just crashed. And then, you know, the, the judgment and, you know, the conversation like what's wrong with you and all these things that come through that I think all of us have or many of us have, but we don't talk about them because we feel like failures. And we go and we look sometimes to other people. Well, what are you doing? And there's a man who uh, I started following. He has, I'll, 
I'll put it uh, a link uh, because he's, it's not about what he's reporting as much as about how he's living and what he's doing. And uh, his name is Michael Yon, Y-O-N, and he travels the world. He goes to high conflict areas and he reports. And so uh, I signed up to follow his Substack, and I, you know, have been checking out his website and there's like almost no content there. And, you know, I'm having this, you know, I have all my equipment with me. I have the generator with me. I have no reason to not be producing. Uh, yesterday I pulled out all my computers and, uh, I couldn't get on any of the uh, offline documents, so I'm going to try to get that sorted out today. I thought I had it sorted out, so there's a lot of technical issues going on. That's why I like pen and paper. It is so low tech. It operates at any time of day <laughs> in any conditions, but it doesn't translate into anything. So I've got to take all this stuff and translate it into something digital to produce it somewhere. But I'm, you know, I started following him because he's living a more stressful life than I am. His travel is more intense than mine is. But in my mind, he's producing all this amazing content because I've heard him in a few interviews and he's really not. And so, you know, we don't know what's true and what's not true for others. We only know from our own perception. And, you know, those, our nervous system is real. Our experiences in the world are real and our humanness is real. And watching this whole uh, disciple movement to me is fascinating because it's showing then how we are now, this judgment about what the Son of God uh, in their eyes would look like, how he would act, what he would do, uh, and all the pomp and circumstances of the traditional church and all the prejudices and biases among people, you know, unclean, you know, the Samaritan and the Jewish fighting with each other. It's just fascinating to me because we have this projection about this idea about how Easy it must have been because it was magical, but it wasn't easy and it wasn't magical and it was dirty and sweaty and stinky, which of course I can completely relate to because I'm here being dirty, sweaty, stinky. The inside of this truck is so stinky. It's amazing how a dog and a girl in a small space can stink something up. And you know it's bad when you can smell it yourself because most of us can't smell stinky. Uh, but I'm fascinated with how stinky the truck is, right? And these are such tiny little inconsequential things as I'm pontificating in my mind about these great abstract truths and how important they are. And I'm sitting here also going, man, this truck stinks. What am I going to do about it? And and this is what real life is. And any little tiny bit of energy that any of us put into our feelings of shame and frustration and aggravation and judgment and all this negative push that we do is serving two purposes. And I'm here trying to remind myself of this right now. And I'm oversharing because I don't know how else to explain it, right? I can't talk about what Michael Yon's personal process is. I can just observe externally that he's got this fascinating background of being a Green Beret, of going to the really dangerous places, uh, of, you know, massive amounts of reading, of historical knowledge. So, you know, I have so much respect for him and what he's doing, but he's not putting out tons and tons of content, right? And and the content he does put out is really just a reporting of the obvious. And 
Is there value in that? Well, to some degree, yes. But if we don't act, if we don't do anything with the information or the ideas, what good are they? If I'm sitting at the border of my own process and I can never cross the border, have I succeeded because I got close or have I failed because I didn't take that last step through the river or cross the bridge, right? And and these are all self-imposed judgments. Whether anybody else is thinking about them or not, I don't know. But I think there's an internal, I don't want to say malaise, but there's an internal feeling of shame or frustration or disappointment. Because for me, the ideas are so big, but the day-to-day is so little that I feel like my day-to-day should be bigger. But then I look, you know, at the time of Jesus where he just walked around and talked to a couple people, and that was big then. Uh, He wasn't judging that. He trusted the process. And it's so hard for me to trust this process. And so that was the decision I was trying to make uh, as I'm looking at what I've written for the last few days it's all this great big stuff, right? I spent a lot, all day really trying to think about if I was a border agent, what would I do? Because, you know, my conflict is I need a job. I'm trained to do this. I wanted to do this. This is now horrible. Uh, but this is where I live. This is where my family lives. What do I do? Do I participate? Do I walk away? Uh, And, you know, I'm just so aware because I had that same conversation as a social worker, right? Do I walk away or do I participate for the security of the job? Or, you know, is it my duty to keep going? Am I helping? Am I making things worse? That there's no right answer to any of this. And I'm going to do a separate podcast on this specifically. But, you know, the place I came away with and the place that I still believe is the best place to be and the one I struggle most with is that you can know so many things intellectually. You can understand facts and statistics and you can follow news and trends and project and analyze and pontificate till the cows go home. You can judge, you can condemn, you can persecute, you can do all of this stuff. But the only time I feel real peace is when I make the kind of decision that I can just let go and own, right? And the ownership is faith, and that's faith and trust in that decision. Not necessarily what the truth is, not necessarily and rarely having an outcome you can depend on. But it's that ability to make a decision, to me, is freedom that you can live with consequences. That's freedom. Freedom is the ability to make the choice and then understanding that you have to then live with the consequences. But if you can own that decision and let all the other noise go, then things settle down. Now, that's the great, big, fabulous abstraction of it all. The reality is... Uh, So you get up, uh, and now you have to look at your day. You know, what am I going to eat? Am I going to exercise? What do I need to clean? What kind of work do I need to do? What does the dog need? How do I get rid of the stink, right? How am I going to deal with stretching when the ground outside is filled with pointy rocks and I have no place I can lay down? I mean, these are the practical crap that fill up all the rest of 
my day and time. I have no idea what everybody else is doing. I have no idea what everybody else is thinking about. I have no idea how anybody else is processing. I only know we operate from the same place, a push, pull, pause. Every other detail around that is inconsequential. The real issue is, is the push getting me what I want or is it time to pull back? Do I need to rest because I've been pushing too long? Like when I'm in scouting mode, that's a heightened adrenaline state. It's unsustainable. There's going to be a crash. So I crash and I sit around and get mad at myself because I'm crashed. Now that's stupid. That's something I can't control. It's like running out of gas and then being mad because you have to go fill up, right? I mean, this is the, you know, these are the kinds of things that suck our energy out, whether we're paying attention to them or not. And am I in a pause state because I'm in fear or do I need to rest? Am I in a pull state? Am I needing to move away from something because it's no longer serving me, but I feel guilty, so I'm staying, therefore putting my energy where I don't want to? It's the macro is the same conversation as the micro. Uh, and that's, you know, one of those big truth things that most of us don't want to look at. And uh, and that's what's so fascinating about this uh series of The Chosen is that it's showing you the tiny micro decisions, even though people are technically being faced with the biggest macro ever, right? Here is God's truth being presented to you. Do you really want it? Are you willing to do what it takes? Are you willing to walk away from your um, position of respect like Nicodemus? Are you willing to walk away from your income like Matthew? Even though everybody hated him, he was the richest man as the tax collector. Uh, Are you willing to uh, walk away from your wife because you're supposed to be like Peter or Simon, I think he was still Simon, Uh, walk away from your wife and your family to follow this man who is saying he's speaking the truth. Again, it's not about if it's true or not, if it's right or wrong, but this, these are the same things we're being asked. And right now, you know, we're facing some massively hard truths. You know, as I'm sitting here very close to the border, I'm also sitting here with the world's most perfect weather, right? It's like 70 during the day and it's 50 at night with no rain and very little wind. There's a little wind that kind of comes and goes. When I have that kind of weather, I can function in the world. You know, where I have been, it's been intense wind, intense heat, intense cold, intense rain, intense snow. Uh, I spend all my time messing around with the climate. I can never get anything else done. And now I'm sitting here with perfect weather, uh, not getting as much done as in my fantasy world as I want to get done. Again, uh, I don't even know what's true or what's not true for anybody else. I only know that there is some of us who are wired to push towards the truth, whatever the truth is to us. Uh, And there's the majority of the people are not. But my experience with pushing towards the truth has been so difficult. I want to be able to support those like me who can't stop who are paying ridiculously high prices and costs for it. 
but not necessarily achieving what we thought maybe it would give us. And then how to manage what that feels like on the other side, because to me, that just means there's more work to be done internally and externally. And, you know, one of the really crappy things about the truth is the more you try to share what it is, the closer you are to the real truth, the more likely you are to be crucified. Because most humans put all their energy into fighting against what the truth is. And that's that pushing at. We push at what we fear. And so there's those of us who push towards what we see as dangerous because we can't stop. But everybody else is pushing against, as in running away, collapsing, disassociating, distracting, or actively working against that same truth because they don't want it, which is what, you know, made it so stressful kind of seeing it revealed in a way that says, I don't want it either, but I know I'm supposed to. And there's a lot of conflict around that. In the same way, I can see the disciples and the other people having conflict because there's one thing about somebody showing up and saying something and making you feel warm and fuzzy. Uh, about it and you feel connected and you're all happy. It's a whole nother thing when you're like, drop everything and follow me. Uh, Here, let's just walk across the desert with no guarantee of food and water, right? Uh, And I, like I said, that I can do, right? That I'm doing. What I can't do is imagine following a truth that says, hey, you're going to get hung off a cross. I mean, there's no truth where I think I could sign up for that. And so, These aren't questions that I don't think many people are asking themselves, or maybe you are, I don't know. But it's really hard for me to understand how to move forward some days because it's just really hard. And so I have to imagine for those of us who are functioning this way or are thinking about these things, Uh, And the truth doesn't have to be the greatest, biggest one. Like, you know, what is God? Sometimes that truth is, you know, do I stay in this marriage? Do I stay in this job? Uh, Do I let go of my house? You know, that was one of my big, terrible ones. Do I try to survive in a situation with a house and a car and a mortgage and a 401k? Uh, Do I do what it takes to stay here or do I just walk away from it? I mean, these are the... The, the other big truths that we have to face, and they're all the same. At the end of the day, it's really just making that same decision over and over and over again. And the peace comes when you own the decision. You're not fighting against it. You're not running away from it. And you're not disassociating from it, right? There's no push, pull, or pause. There's just that instant of clarity, of focus, of knowledge, of absolute, like this is the right decision. To me, that's what peace is. True peace is the convergence of great love and great strength, which is really just the acceptance of what the truth is. Hate it or love it, there it is. It's fighting against what we don't want. It's seeking something we think we don't have. It's all this other movement around the truth. So to me, it's not as important as what is the truth. What's important is how do we function? How do we continue 
in the process of getting to the truth. And the truth is always more than one thing. There's a constant evolution of truth, a constant peeling of the layers back. Now, I will tell you, eventually it becomes just one thing. It's just one issue. It's not 65,000 different truths that you're seeking. It's just one, but the one sucks so bad that you're not going to want it because it sucks so bad, but, um, but you can't unknow it. And that's why I think a lot of us stop, you know, we don't want to know what's really happening. I, you know, I think about the therapist who told me one time, like she knows there's sexual abuse going on with this family that she's counseling, but she doesn't want to know it because what do you do about that? There's nothing overt. There's just the knowing, but you can't unknow. What do you do about that? I think about the Border Patrol agents. They see what's happening. They know what the truth of the border is. You can't unknow it. But now you have to find a way to deal with it. And those who can't are killing themselves. And to me, who wants to live in a world where we can't face truths? So we have to kill ourselves. So to me, the real power, I'm just having my processing out loud with you guys. The real power lies, right, in us being able to find a way to cope with what we don't want to know as the truth, whatever that truth is. And those of us who are wired for danger, we operate in a different way moving towards it. But there's also this other part that is having to recover, that has to rest, that has to reset. And for me... I get pissed at myself when I'm not in push mode, even though intellectually I understand that I cannot push 24-7, 365 without crashing because that's what happened in the past, right? That's why I'm here living like this, as I crashed. I pushed for too long, and I've spent, what, 15 years now living with the repercussions of that, trying to figure out what the balance is for me And I'm still asking questions. I'm still trying to find my way forward. I'm still trying to find that balance that works for me. And, you know, that was sort of my last question was extreme simplicity. Would that solve my problem? No, I still I'm still me. I'm still in the same cycle. I'm still having these same issues. I'm still hitting these same walls, even though all my excuses are being stripped away And that to me is humiliating to face privately uh, because it's, you know, it's frustrating, even though it's absolutely necessary. And it's the thing that nobody talks about, right? Because we just want to see that everything's okay. We want the truth to be that we're not crucified for speaking the truth, but we're exalted, we're rewarded, we're, we're, uh, Everybody loves us. Everybody supports us. And in history, those who are on the forerunners of truth, you know, they always, everybody wants to kill the messengers. The only people who are exalted with quote-unquote truth are the people who are in the middle of the bell curve, the ones who are building their version of truth-telling on the backs of everybody else who is wired for danger that's out front you know, getting beat up and pulled apart because the people who are successful are not the leaders. They're the ones who just come at the right time and have the right voice and have the right presentation and have the right skill set and have the right team around them to make it look 
like they're doing something meaningful. I think about, you know, someone like Joe Rogan, he's not doing anything spectacular. He's just riding on the back of all the people who walked in front of him, but he's the one that's capitalizing on it. Not because he's brave and courageous and tough, but because he's just the right person at the right time with the right combination that gets him the rewards. So you can't do it for those reasons. And you have to decide where you are going to be in that process. And sometimes you don't have control, but if you are truly, truly wired for danger and you're hardcore, you pretty much can't help but throw yourself on the very edge of all of this, on the edge of the bell curve, where you're kind of by yourself out in the middle of nowhere thinking about things that nobody else thinks about. Because historically, <laughs> that's the way it works. I, you know, there's just something very powerful about the visual of being, you know, a bunch of lonely guys in the desert walking around. Uh, having conversations about big things with all their personality defects shining brightly in front of us as they argue about stupid issues and they compete for Jesus' attention and they uh, do all the things that we still do as humans. <sighs> all right, so uh, that is me having a morning here. I think the sun will hopefully be coming up shortly. It's amazing how... This time, you know, for me, as I'm, I have all the windows blocked out. I just have my little false lights and my little journal and my little recorder on my little phone thinking about great big stuff. But the minute I turn this off and the minute I pull all the coverings off my windows and I have to go to town today, I'm out of water. So I don't really have a choice. I have to go get water. There's no more excuses to leave my little uh, point of isolation. I have to make a decision. Do I stay here? Do I go someplace else? Uh, I have to make a decision about how to spend the rest of my day in tiny, ridiculously unimportant, concrete actions that in no way feel as important as these great big ideas. But the great big ideas don't mean anything if we don't take the supporting actions. Like if I don't have water, every idea in the world has no value. If I don't, you know, get off my rumpus and turn my generator on, I'm, I'm running out of power. <laughs> so I can't run anything right now because I need to run the generator to charge everything up. You know, if I don't do these simple, basic things, nothing gets done. And it doesn't feel meaningful. It feels redundant and boring uh, which is very difficult for those of us who are push. They uh, have to have a lot of inspiration to push through the boring and the mundane. Uh, you know, for me, these forays into the big ideas in the morning are my excitement. The rest of my day is a struggle because I have to do all this stuff that to me is just meaningless. But without doing it, without food, without water, without cleaning up, without feeding the dog, Right? These are things that must be done. This is the human component that's so aggravating and time consuming and inconsequential. Yet you don't have a choice. We are here. So I just wanted to say this because I just didn't know what to say. And this is where I'm at right now. This morning, 
so frustrated that I still have all these same feelings that I want to get rid of so badly that are not push. They're the moments when I can't push and I get so aggravated with myself. I actually derail myself for infinitely longer. The aggravation at not being able to push is a form of push in itself. I'm fighting against the reality that I'm out of gas, literally, uh, internally, right? I'm out of water, which is my gas. uh, And it, it doesn't matter. This must be done. I must go get water, right? I must start the generator to have power. I must do some of these mundane, boring things or I die. And I don't really think that I'm ready to just lay down out here and do that. (laughs) The shift is making the decision, owning it, and then having peace with it. Because I don't like doing all this boring stuff, but it requires such a huge portion of time and energy that is against my nature that I'm in constant fighting against it. In the same way that other people fight tremendously against these big ideas, but they're, they can go all day long uh, cleaning and organizing and producing and doing all these other things. So we're all extremely different. But the one thing we all have in common every minute of every day are these three states of energy and how they are affecting us. And that the truth is a little tiny point amidst all three in which all our love, all our strength creates this focus, clear peace that is very powerful, but is almost impossible to maintain because we are still humans moving around in a world that is swirling with so much uncertainty and so much angst and so much fear and so much demand that it makes it extremely difficult to bring our time, attention, and focus back to that. And that, my friends, is what I'm trying to do with you here. Not give you answers about what the truth is, not tell you it's going to be perfect, and that there will never be an ending place. For our human life, we will be standing at the border, ready to cross, but nobody crosses and stays on the other side. The whole point of being human is being on the side of the border where it's all chaos. So it's not about getting over the border and everything is perfect. Just the way the migrants are trying to run across the border here and enter into a life that's perfect. We all know what they don't. There's nothing perfect on this side either. It's just a different set of problems. We bring ourselves with us when we run across the border as long as we're alive. And so that's my uh, <laughs> that's my pontificating for the day. Uh, taking you on a little journey that I've been on this morning that I'm on every single day. And the reality that this is life. It is the abstractions that are true and the frustrations that are our reality as human that we're navigating. And this is a journey that never ends until it does. But until it does, we're here navigating it. And that is my hope and my dream is to help you who are wired in a way I understand to navigate it. And the greatest truth that I have that's the hardest one to hear is it's just not easy and it's never over. And it's super frustrating that that is the way it is. So deep breath, my friends, and I 
we'll see you next time, hopefully with some water and maybe a little food and some ice. <laughs> All right. See you next time. And it's not turning off.